is not being directed by his mom, but he's being directed by God's determined hour. Don't miss this in the circumstances of your life. God does not run on your timetable. God is not a vending machine. You can't just put in your prayer and get exactly what you want. God runs at his own determined hour. And the people of God learn how to say, Lord, I surrender to your timing. Today's message might be one of the hardest lessons we have to learn as followers of Jesus, and that is that God doesn't operate on our timetable. The things we see as a crisis are things that he already knew about. When Lazarus was sick, Jesus waited until after he had died to go to him. Was he late? According to Mary and Martha, he was, but he was right on time following God's directives. He's not late when it comes to your life either. Now, here's Pastor Daniel as he continues his message, Jesus is transforming us. We respond. Jesus responds to his mom, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Now, what is he talking about? And then he says, my hour has not yet come. Check this out. Transformation always involves the cross. Transformation always involves the cross. You might say, Pastor, how do you get that out of that verse? Jesus said, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Jesus called his mother Mary woman one other time. Just one in the whole Bible. John chapter 19, verse 26 When on the cross, he said, woman, behold your son. And you can imagine Jesus' mother Mary at that point when at the wedding of Cain of Galilee, some three years before, he said, woman, what is this water, what does this, they're running out of wine have to do with me? My time has not yet come. And then on the cross, he says, woman, behold your son. And you can imagine her thinking, this is his time. And if you read John's gospel, Jesus' hour always points to that moment where God glorifies Jesus by letting him be the worthy sacrifice for the sins of all who would believe. And listen, if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, this is why Christians are so focused on Jesus and the cross. Because everything about the life of Jesus, every single thing is pointing to this one moment where God says, my son is worthy to stand in our place to receive the punishment that we rightly deserve for all of our garbage. God chose that for Jesus. You might say, well, I don't really want that to be the case. Listen, I don't want it to be the case either. Why would I want someone to have to die for me? Why? Because God loves you enough to not want you to die for yourself, but to give you a substitute. And we love stories like that, don't we? We love movies and stories where somebody gives up their life for someone else. I think of, I mean, classic, the Titanic. Leonardo DiCaprio became a megastar because every woman wants a guy who will give up his life 
for the woman he loves. I mean, Leo could have stayed on that plank in the water. He could have let Kate Winslet. He could have let her be like, hey, man, it's the 21st century. Men and women are equal. Forget chivalry. You take, I'm taking the plank. You can drown, sister. I got one life. But that wouldn't have made a good movie, right? Everyone would want to kill Leonardo DiCaprio at the end of it if that was the case. But instead, he was willing to stay in the water so she could stay on the piece of wood and everybody wanted to marry Leonardo DiCaprio after that. Why? Why? Because we all want to know that we are loved enough that someone would sacrifice for us. And the reason we value that so much is because God created us with that desire in the depths of our souls because God was always planning on sending Jesus to die for you and for me. That's what he did. That was his plan before the foundations of the earth. In the heart of every human being, God placed that desire. And what we do is if we're not willing to accept Jesus, we try and get everybody else to do that for us. And that's why every single relationship lets us down. Because nobody is going to sacrifice for you the way that God did. Because only God is the worthy sacrifice for you. And so you're looking at every guy, you gals, or every gal, you guys, and all your parents and your neighbors and your friends, and you're saying, I just want them to sacrifice for me, and they don't do it. And guess what? You don't do it for them either. But we're hardwired for this. We're hardwired for this. So transformation always involves the cross. Jesus is saying to his mom, listen, what's this got to do with me? I'm here for another purpose. It teaches us, of course, that Jesus is not being directed by his mom, but he's being directed by God's determined hour. Don't miss this in the circumstances of your life. God does not run on your timetable. God is not a vending machine. You can't just put in your prayer and get exactly what you want. God runs at his own determined hour. And the people of God learn how to say, Lord, I surrender to your timing. And I believe that's a word for someone or probably a lot of you in here. Because you're getting upset with God because God's not running on your timetable. Know what the beauty of this is? The reason God doesn't run on your timetable is because God knows exactly what he's doing. We only have a veiled understanding of what he's doing. It'd be like we want to eat cookies. God's saying the cookies ain't done yet. And we're saying, but I want them right now. And we're mad about it. But God has a perfect timing. And God's people learn how to wait for God's perfect timing. God is not, God's ways are not determined by what we want, but what he wants for us. And God's timing is perfect. He's saying, woman, this has nothing, my hour is not right now, but it will come. It will come. Look at Mary's response in verse five. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Wow. Transformation flows from obedience transformation flows from obedience. You see what she says? She's like, tells us, whatever Jesus, whatever he tells you to do, do it. I believe, now this might be controversial to some of you. Transformation is a gift from God. But God's gift is experienced by us making a decision to follow and be obedient to him. I believe much 
of our lack of transformation for the people who are called themselves by the name of Christ, much of that, the lack of transformation is due to the fact that we are not willing to really listen to Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to do this. And we say, no. It reminds me, of course, of of Naaman the Syrian who had leprosy and wanted to be healed. And his servant girl was from the nation of Israel. Listen, I want you to go and talk to that prophet. And the prophet says, okay, Naaman. He didn't even come out to see him. He's like, I want you to go wash seven times in the Jordan. You'll be healed of your leprosy. And Naaman's mad. Don't we have better lakes in Syria? This prophet won't even come and talk to me. And then Naaman's servant said to him, listen, if he would have asked you to do something hard, he would have done it. Why don't you just do what he said? And Naaman went. He washed in the Jordan seven times, and he was totally healed of leprosy. That was a miracle in that culture. But a lot of us are like Naaman. Jesus says, I want you to love people. You say, no. Jesus says, I want you to be generous. You say, I will not. Jesus says, I want you to stop doing that. You say, no, I will not. It's my life. And you wonder why you're not growing. Disobedience stunts God's transformation in our lives. And you know, listen, I say that and I realize that's tough, isn't it? And we all know what it's like to be disobedient. But listen, brother and sister, you can't redo this morning. You can't redo yesterday. You can't redo a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But you can turn and respond to Jesus right now. And guess what? No matter what we've done, no matter how many mistakes we've made, no matter how many drugs we've done, how many people we've stolen from, no matter how many abortions we've had, no matter how many wrong things we've done, when we turn to Jesus right now, he's right there for us. Right there for us. If you've been disobedient this morning, then say, Lord, I'm sorry, and I'm going to be obedient now. If you were obedient, disobedient yesterday, you say, Lord, I come to you now. And brother and sister, if you've been obedient with your whole life and you're pondering disobedience tomorrow, don't miss that either. It's like, well, Lord, I've been so good, so now I'm going to be real bad. It's all okay. No. Transformation flows from obedience. And I believe that obedience is a decision of the will. We choose to be transformed because God already desires to change and transform us by simply responding to Jesus. Listen to second, first Samuel, verse 15, chapter 15, verse 22. Samuel speaking to King Saul, who's just been disobedient. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. He's saying, he's saying, listen, just simply obey. God's transformation in your life is tied to your willingness to obey what he is asking of you. And listen, if you're here and you're saying, I am not going to do what God tells me to do, then don't get upset at the consequences and blame God because he's already told you to go a different direction. Isn't that what we do, though? Because since the Garden of Eden, we live in a blame-shifting way of living. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. If there was someone else there, the serpent would have blamed him. We always want to blame somebody. So when our life isn't going right, we blame God. But if we really look at it, we're not actually being obedient to God. So how do we blame him for doing exactly what he told us not to do? So rather than blame shifting, we need to hold on and say, listen, God, the reason I'm hurt, the reason I'm mad is not because of you. It's because of me. 
and know it, Lord, I'm going to start doing something new today. I'm going to start going a new way today. I'm actually going to try for the first time in my life to actually follow you. If your word says I'm going to do it. And you know what I found? I found that when we simply obey God, we realize that God is for real. We realize that God is really real when we do what he asks. But it's real easy to say, I don't believe in God. Why? Because the world's so messed up when everything you're doing is exactly in opposition. And the reason the world is messed up and your life is messed up is because you're doing exactly the opposite of what God asked you to do. So transformation flows from obedience. Now, look what happens in verse 6. Now, there were there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of the purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Notice this. Transformation makes the ordinary extraordinary. Transformation makes the ordinary extraordinary. Now, why is there six water pots that can hold 20 or 30 gallons apiece? Because in that culture, it was a desert culture. They had very specific purification rituals. So when people would come to a wedding, they were required to wash their hands, their feet, different things, so that they could partake of the ceremonial meal. And so there would be these stone water pots that could hold 20 or 30 gallons. And people would go to those things and they would wash so that they could partake of the meal. Just very ordinary. Any house, before running water, they'd have water that you could use to cleanse yourself so that you can eat. Just simple sanitation. There's some um, spiritual connotations to it, but it's very simple. So Jesus says, you see those water pots right there? I want you to fill them with water. And know what I love about this? Notice it says they filled them to the brim. I like that. Talk about going the extra mile in obedience. It'd be so easy to be like, oh man, there's a lot, there's a lot of water pots. I mean, 20, 30 gallons. Let's just fill them halfway. You realize if they would have filled them halfway, they would only got half as much wine as Jesus wanted to give them. But they took the second mile. They went all the way. They filled that thing to the brim. And notice, once they, once they filled it to the brim, the brim, Jesus said, I want you to take it out. I want you to bring it to the master. Of the I want you to draw some out. It's also interesting, he, they filled it to the brim so no one could say, oh, you know, it was water and they just added wine after it. There was, there was no hokey pokey going on, no deceit going on here. Filled it to the brim. Why? Because transformation makes the ordinary extraordinary. See, this is what I love about walking with Jesus. I love the fact that my ordinary things of my life now become extraordinary. Because God infuses it with new meaning. Those water pots were nothing. But now it's the scene of God's hand at work. I wonder how many of us in here today are missing out on God's extraordinary work by not having our eyes open to the ordinary things that we do every day and what God is doing in the midst of them. I'm sure a lot, it's hard, isn't it? To have our eyes open our ears open, our hearts open to see God moving extraordinarily in ordinary things. Now notice what happens. Verse 9. 
when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom. He said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Notice this. Transformation creates waves. Transformation creates waves. It's interesting. Jesus didn't do this ostentatious thing. It was quite simple. The only people who knew what Jesus did were the servants. And once Jesus, once they draw out the wine, they found out that Jesus didn't make some junk wine, but Jesus made some really good wine. And the, and the, and the master of the feast, the guy who was like the, you know, the, 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 the event coordinator, when he tasted the wine, he thought to himself, what's the bridegroom doing? Everybody knows that in a week-long festival, you put out the really good stuff in the beginning, and then once people have been there for a while, and they've drank, and they've eaten, your palate starts to get a little dull. And then you bring out the junky wine, and no one even notices. Right? You give the people the best first. But you don't miss this. When God is transforming your life, it's going to make some waves in the people around you. They're going to notice something different. The master of the feast, the bride, what's going on right now? Why? Why does transformation create waves? Because you do not live in a vacuum and neither do I. There are people around us every single moment of the day. There are people who, whether we like it or not, receive the impact of how we carry ourselves in the world. And when God is changing your life, people are going to notice it. They may not even understand what's happening, but you being happy and not angry, you being loving and not selfish, you being kind instead of mean-spirited, that's going to change the people around you. It's going to make waves. And then notice what happens here. Notice this, verse 11, as we close. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Brothers and sisters, transformation should go viral. Transformation should go viral. Why? Because transformed people transform people. Transformed people transform people. And that is why next week we're going to look at what does it mean to transform our community and our world. Because Jesus is real and he's made us a family and we're fully engaged and we're serving and we're growing and we're learning and God is working on us, that transformation makes waves and that transformation goes viral. Because what happens? As God is changing us, now all of a sudden people are seeing the glory of God in the reality of Jesus in your life and people start believing in Jesus. If each one of you in here today who believe in Jesus look at your faith, you will almost always find somebody who had a robust faith who showed it to you maybe for a long time before you ever started believing. And that is why each one of our lives in Christ is of the utmost importance because you do impact the world. Transformed people transform people. And listen, people living in rebellion against God also promote further rebellion against God. Either way, either way, every single life pays it forward. And the question for you today, and the question for me today is do I want to continue to perpetuate 
pain, hurt, sorrow, selfishness? Or do I want to perpetuate love, kindness, grace, joy, and peace in the world? Do you know what separates those two? The cross of Jesus Christ. That's what separates it. That's where it divides, right there. And that is why Jesus has and will always be the most controversial person who ever lived. Because at the cross of Jesus Christ, there is a split, whether we like it or not. And you are either for him or you're against him. You are either promoting a life of rebellion against God or you're promoting a life encased in the grace of God. And each one of us makes that choice. Don't pretend like it's your parents' choice or someone imposed the choice. No, we each make a choice and that choice changes everything. It changes everything. And if you're in here today and you've already put your faith and trust in Jesus, then that trans what God is doing in your life as you obey, as you let God take the ordinary things and make them extraordinary, as you're obedient to him, that your life should be a transforming agent of grace in other people's lives. And if you're in here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, brother, sister, listen to me. You are here today for your mom, for a friend, but you're here because God loves you enough. And God's saying, look, I want to change your life today, today, right now, simply by making a decision. Because when you make a decision, and if you make a decision for Christ this morning, right now, in just a few seconds, if you do it, God will take his Holy Spirit and he will put his spirit in you and God will change you from the inside out. And I, I want to tell you, listen, you might say, I don't believe it. Why don't you try it? I guarantee, I guarantee if you make that decision, you start to follow Jesus today, in a week, in a month, you're going to come back and be like, Pastor Daniel, you did not lie to me. Because God's transformative spirit is at work. I never even imagined. I had someone just the other day. I couldn't even fathom that this is real. Last week, I was six feet underground. Now I find myself crying on my knees, praying. God is using me. I can't even fathom it. And you know, I said to him, I'm like, yeah, I feel the exact same way. I can't even imagine my life. I didn't grow up with this Jesus stuff. One day, I finally just said, I'm just going to bow my knee and say, Jesus, if you're real, I'm going to just follow you. And I'll tell you, man, it's been crazy, awesome, out of control, beautiful, glorious, terrifying. It's all of it. But I know every day I go to bed, I'm like, man, that was a God thing. How did that happen? What's going on? I don't know. But if you're here today, God can change your life right now if you'll say yes. All you have to do is say yes. And I believe you're here today to hear that. Because you know what, deep down, you want to be changed. And so do I. You want to be transformed. And so do I. And so does everyone in here. But nobody gets transformed by Jesus by not first making a decision to say, I want Jesus to transform my life. Because God's a gentleman. He's not going to impose his transformation on you. And he hasn't yet. But if you simply open the door and say yes to Jesus, he will change Today, Pastor Daniel showed us that transformed people transform people. You open yourself up to God's transformational power in your life when you say yes to Jesus. You can't change the choices you've made in the past, but you can obey right now, today, and watch God change you from the inside out. 
is transformational work in you will create waves. And soon you'll see people around you transform too. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio. And I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will open up the purpose of the church here on earth. We were left here as ambassadors for Christ and we're called to be on mission. The call of every believer is to simply respond to Jesus, but that means being flexible and fluid in our approach because he calls us in new ways every day. You, as part of the church, are called to be transforming the world. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Because Jesus is Real, We Respond. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.